Monday morning hits like a ton of bricks. As we mentally struggle with finding our motivation for a new work week, we sluggishly brush our teeth, button our shirts, and sip our morning coffee, hoping the flavor awakens our purpose. Sadly, according to a Gallup study, around two-thirds of the American workforce feel the same way, the lack of purpose. So why would we spend 40 hours of our work week in a place we dread or simply view as just a job? On this episode, we're sitting down with an executive coach with over 20 years of employee engagement and emotional intelligence training who's showing us how to be super happy and thrive at work. Let's get to the podcast. Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the Kelly family. Our mission is simple. We help organizations make better business decisions. If you like what you hear, it would honor us if you would leave a review on our show. Also, while you're there, hit that subscribe button so you can get the latest episode as it's released. It's only by your help that this podcast grows, so thank you so much in advance. All right, Phil, I have to ask you, have you ever held a job that you just felt unfulfilled in? Absolutely, especially when I was younger. I'm sure every single person listening has been in that situation where they just dreaded, or they're in the situation now, they just dread going to work on a Monday morning. Um, It's draining. It takes a lot of mental energy, emotional energy, and it's just taxing because it affects every facet of your life. You feel like you're doing tasks and things that have no meaning or no importance except just the almighty dollar. And there's not much spirit in that. And I want to echo what I said in the intro that two-thirds, this is what's crazy, two-thirds of the American workforce find themselves in a place where they just go to work and they feel unfulfilled or unsatisfied with the role that they're in. And on this episode, we're going to sit down with Greg Barsh, who's an entrepreneur, an executive coach, and consultant with years of success in, in building companies and selling companies, coming into companies and help building their culture. And he's going to help us answer the question, how to be super happy and how do we thrive at work? So we're going to take two different perspectives here because here on the show, we believe an organization is only as good as the people and the leaders that are actually setting the vision and moving the ball down the field. So it starts with us as leaders. Then we're going to dive into what can we do to help change the culture? Because as we've preached many times on this show, especially recently, culture is key in creating a successful and thriving work environment for the employees. You know, Matt, that statistic of two thirds of employees not feeling engaged is abominable. And it tells you just how much of a failure in leadership there is in American business. And here's the bottom line. This is the cheapest way to increase productivity. It doesn't cost a lot of money to create a place that's a great place to work. So let's start with, like we said, changes within leadership, changes with the person in the mirror, because that's where it starts. In order for our organizations to go to that next level, we have to look in the mirror and self-reflect as leaders so we can not only change ourselves, but then we can lead our teams in order to make those same changes. So the first thing is empathy, which is the ability to understand and share feelings with one another. So let's set this up a little bit. 
How many people do you know that are at work and they're constantly negative? You try to bring some positivity in and they always find some way to knock it down or to be very cynical about a certain issue. Or you may give them a seemingly simple task, yet it sends them through the roof. Their stress levels boil almost to the point of breaking. And many of us, including leaders, think that's just their personality. It's who they are. When in reality, There could be a lot more forces at play outside of our work walls that are impacting this person and adding so much more weight than we may know. Is there something else going on with this employee? Do they have a uh, parent that they're responsible for taking care of? Do they have a sick child or nephew? Is their neighbor and best friend in foreclosure? There could be external things that are sucking a lot of their mental energy and positive spirit into another situation. The organization clearly should be supportive of that. You know, Matt, here's the takeaway. Think about this as a jewel. You know, when we have a a big jewel in your hand, it, it shines brightly. We have to shine brightly as leaders to motivate those around us to feel good about coming into work. And so it's your job as the leader to to. You know, to look at every facet of that jewel and polish it constantly. And it's a tough job, and there's a lot of meticulous work, but doing it is the key to success here. And what's interesting, too, I love that analogy, because even when you think of how a jeweler sets a diamond or creates a diamond, it's not just they grab it from the mine and they stick it on a ring. It goes through heat. It has to be chiseled. It has to be worked. I mean, it there goes through a lot of pressure in order to be good. So this is not an easy task. Like you said, just like building a diamond and setting a stone or a jewel is not an easy thing. It takes work. It has to be intentional. And most leaders are lazy and they just put it back on the worker and say, it's your job to create an engaged place to work. No, no, no. It's the leader's job to do that. Once we begin to understand and feel empathetic for our employees as leaders, the next thing we need to do is find and build value for ourselves and our team. Once we get past that, right, then we're really at the core of what we're here to talk about, which is, does this person understand the value proposition of what we are trying to accomplish and how they fit in? How are they aligned? How do they help the organization succeed? Specifically, how do they touch the customer? Isn't it true that every employee in every organization has some touch to the customer, right? No matter what your function is, including the sanitary engineer and everybody else, a truck driver, everybody is touching the customer somehow. Secondarily, everyone is touching sales. How do you impact the top line of the organization? And people may not understand that. Understanding that we are strong and should feel strong so that we can thrive and we can play nicely in the sandbox with our coworkers, right? Because we feel empowered and we feel the ability to effectuate positive change and we are growing. Do you want to be doing two years from now what you were doing four years ago? No. Right? Why? Well, then we could be a toll taker on the highway. It would be boring. Right? So we wish to stretch our capabilities to the edge of the envelope, 
within reason, and we wish to feel mm -hmm. fully supported and part of a bigger picture so that once again, we can do together what we could never accomplish alone. You know, Matt, we've heard this story on the ROI podcast. We interviewed Andy Medley from Perk, episode 73. And there, when you walked into Perk, you got the sense that everybody sitting in that workplace knew that their role mattered. They knew how it generated value for the company, and they could see on the walls the measurement of the value they were creating. And so that was a living, breathing example of what Greg has just said here. So next, once we find and build the value for ourselves and our employees, we have to, the most important thing, knock down our own internal barriers. Lastly is knocking down our own internal barriers. To a great extent, it is not our well-entrenched, highly intelligent, well-capitalized, hard-working competitors that are the challenge. It is us and, and the willingness and the ability to accept and think about change, right? Darwin said it's not the strongest or the most intelligent of the species that survive. It's the species most willing to change, paraphrasing. This comes back to a leader looking herself or himself in the mirror. We have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to adapt. That's the first thing that has to happen in the organization before the organization can change. That's what it means to be a leader. We have to pivot. We have to understand mistakes, be transparent about them, be humble about them, and respond. And that's how we build the foundation that Greg's talking about. And we can't expect our team to change if we ourselves won't change. And I think that's, that's key because a lot of leaders demand change from everyone else. But yet, when they look in the mirror, they just they don't feel that the problem is on them. They feel it's everyone else. It has to flow from the inside out from the leader. Again, that's one of the secrets of success of creating an engaged workplace. Once we as leaders get a better inventory of who we are and how we need to change, then we can start implementing changes within our organization's culture. And we're not going to spend a ton of time here because we have done quite a few episodes on the subject of implementing and changing your culture. Episodes 68, 69, 70, and 73 are great resources to go back and listen to specifically how as leaders we can change our culture. And we will link each of these episodes in the show notes. So the first thing we can do as leaders is implement a culture of appreciation and gratitude. These do not have to be large achievements. In fact, it's actually more effective when there's a multitude of recognition of smaller, medium, not counting the larger achievements. What if you wait every nine months for a huge, large achievement? So thank you very much for preparing that so well. It being early, it coming in under cost, helping out our coworkers, a helpfulness culture. In our individual life, the science has shown that Keeping a gratitude journal is very helpful. That if you write down a couple little things every day, I smelled the flowers on the way walking the dog, or you know, someone brought my newspaper up and threw it on the front porch, or whatever the case may be, let it out the newspaper thing since there are no more newspapers. In any case, so if we write down a few things every day that we're grateful for, 
the funny thing is, is if you look at it a few weeks later or a few months later, you don't remember those little things. And that's why you keep the gratitude journal. A leader cannot say thank you enough. A leader cannot celebrate achievement enough. It comes back to gratitude, like we're hearing here. Gratitude reflects on what we have overcome as a team, as an organization, as a community. It dismantles arrogance and brings hope for the challenges right in front of us. Great leaders turn their growth ceiling into their new floor, meaning they're always stretching the growth. They're always asking team to aspire and to move to even greater things. Gratitude gives us confidence to climb that ladder. So next, we need to create an environment for healthy relationships. The second of the three things that bridge between individual happiness and employee engagement is relationships. Harvard had a study years ago, right at the beginning of employee engagement in the early 2000s, that said, if your friends are happier, you're happier. Okay, that makes sense. How about this? If the friends of your friends are happier, it makes you happier. Well, hold on a second. You don't know most of the friends of your friends, okay? Lastly, if the friends of your friends of your friends are happier, you will have increased well-being, happiness. So building relationships, both as an individual and in the workplace, becomes of paramount importance. Matt, if you talk to Greg long enough, he gives you an example from Winnie the Pooh. There was Tigger, who was hopping around, loving life, and there was Eeyore, who ate thistles and everything was sad. Obviously, Eeyore represents the current workplace in most organizations. Tigger represents our aspiration. And when Tigger is around and Tigger is enthusiastic about life and excited about the simple things, that cannot help but be contagious. That's only human. And the more Tiggers we have, the more engaged our team's going to be. So next, what we need to do is we need to build positive experiences for everyone because, as we know, experiences far outweigh any sort of materialistic items we could receive. The third of the three things that I believe transpose the two genres is the experience. So, for instance, in individual happiness, they say, how should I spend my money? Well, you can go out and buy a new car right? But it might immediately get hit by a wayward beach umbrella, as mine did the first week, and it had a dent in it, or a scratch. You can buy a new phone, but then you scratch it, or all of a sudden, six months later, it's not the newest phone anymore. Material possessions can be very fleeting, whereas if we spend money on experiences, think vacation, the studies show that it is more beneficial to our individual happiness. For instance, we will go on a vacation, we loved it. We come back, we're ecstatic. You have to go visit. It was unbelievable. Like we had the time of our life. 10 years later, it's even better. <laughs> if you loved it then, you're gonna really love it now, right? It improves over time, right? The experience. Okay, well that makes a lot of sense. You know, think of the things you had 10 or 20 or 30 years ago, the stuff, right? And now for a moment, try and remember what made you happy 
of the stuff, right? And what of those things do you still have, if any? First of all, not much of it may have made you happy for more than a week or a month. And second of all, you probably don't have any of it anymore or your baseball glove, but it doesn't fit anymore. So in the workplace, it's the same thing. Tell me about the experience. When you walk out, do you feel stronger? Do you feel smarter? Do you feel proud? Do you feel, hey, how did I get to work here? How did I get to do this? I can't believe they're letting me be in charge of implementing this project. It's about the experience. You know, Matt, it's easy to think about work as a series of tasks and boxes to check and numbers to calculate. But like anything else, it's an experience. We come to the workplace for several hours in a day, and it's like any other experience in life. And so if, if we as leaders focus on making that experience as fruitful and as rewarding, but also as challenging as possible from an aspirational standpoint, that's going to play to what it means to be human for your employees. And I think, too, we can kind of see some great organizations and some really amazing companies who people strive to work for already embracing some of these, quote, experience values. Having coffee bar free to all your employees to create this sense of getaway, this coffee shop feeling is creating an experience that you can remember. Or having a snack bar where, you know, you just need to step away and go grab a snack, but that's it's creating experience, which creates, you know, build better relationships, which creates gratitude because people are thankful for where they have, especially if you come from a job where, like most of us have, dull, boring unfulfilling. There's a lot of skeptics out there that would criticize all these ideas about a workplace that's fun and you can take breaks and you have free food and you know you can have free beer at five o'clock to, to end the workday. And they sort of cross their arms and goes, well, that's, that's just not efficient. That's not cost effective. Well, the old skeptical way of thinking is what led to the boring places to work. So if we're going to criticize anything, it's not the new ideas, it's the old ideas. And that's why we should embrace these because they are linked back to positive psychology, which Greg has done a good job elucidating in this episode, which is science. And we've done a terrible job in our management of workplaces connecting the work experience to what it means to be human and how the brain operates. So let's recap. As Americans, over two-thirds of our workforce are disengaged or neutral feeling at work, meaning they're frustrated with their job or they just simply show up because they feel obligated with little to no tides toward feeling fulfilled. As leaders, we're the ones responsible for creating engaging work environments where our team feels valued, inspired, and excited for Mondays. As leaders, before we can get our team happy, we must first reflect on ourselves. Ask ourselves, do we have empathy for our team members? Are we making meaningful and emotional connections as human beings? Next, how are we building value for ourselves and for our team? It's up to us to remind ourselves and our employees how our specific jobs impact the customer, impact sales, and impact the business overall. This leads to purpose, which leads to job excitement. Then, we must take an internal inventory of our personal behaviors holding us back. 
Most of the time, it's fear of change, especially when we're comfortable. However, as history shows us, those who remain complacent always get left behind. Once we've conquered our own giants hindering our personal fulfillment, now we can tackle our organization's culture. First, does our culture encourage appreciation and gratitude? Do we celebrate small wins? Are we giving those shout outs to our team regularly? Second, what do the relationships inside our organizations look like? Do people get carried away in conversation with each other? Or do they stare at their computers for eight hours, hardly saying a word? Our job requires us to foster healthy relationships among our team because research shows we are happier if our friends are happier and so on. Finally, we must create positive experiences inside our company. Just like the experience of a vacation vastly outweighs the satisfaction of a material object, what we experience at work creates memories that only appreciate with time. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell, where we work hard to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.